This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 9th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. What is organic, and why has the process of certifying methods and products organic been handed over to the USDA, an agency that is, to say the least, very sensitive to the demands of so-called big food? Peter Van Doren, editor of Regulation Magazine, comments. Well, there's lots of money to be made in organic food. Any trip through Whole Foods versus a trip through a normal supermarket will tell you there's a substantial price difference. And the question is, most people think there's a substantial price difference because of the small scale of organic agriculture mandates, inefficiencies, and thus the prices are are much higher when something is called organic. Most people are unaware of that small-scale organic production would would yield so little produce that um, the prices would be absurdly high and and you couldn't have something called whole foods. So what we have in the United States is a compromise that no one really knows much about except when the New York Times writes an article every now and then, which they did in yesterday's um, newspaper. It turns out there's a National Organic Standards Board. It exists because of a law passed and the USDA gets to declare um, what is or is not organic or what in interstate commerce, what what you can use the the word USDA certified organic on your package if and only if you comply with a list of do's and don'ts that this regulatory board uh, uh, determines. It shouldn't be surprising that when uh, the federal government gets itself into the role of allowing or disallowing the use of these terms in labeling on food products that the people with the most interest in having that label applied to their products and the people with the most uh, clout uh, with the government will come to dominate the process that determines what qualifies and what doesn't qualify. The New York Times here says, big food has assumed a powerful role in setting the standards for organic foods. Major corporations have come to dominate the board that sets these standards. Right. It's To me, these kinds of articles, they may be surprising to the Times or the Times readership, but it, to me, it seems like dogs bark. It's kind of obvious. Uh, the millions of dollars that are at stake lead the producers to care greatly about who's on this board and what things are listed as approved or not. <clears throat> and this goes back a long time. I mean, before we did this recording, I went through some of my archives and looked up absurd organic political tales. And uh, one of my favorites is um, now and then organic production it requires – certain inputs. And um, Speaker Hastert, when he was Speaker of the House from Illinois, um, put a provision in an omnibus budget bill that said, when the price of conventional, uh, or sorry, when the price of organic feed to chickens, and chickens to be labeled organic have to be fed organically, when the price of that feed is double conventional, you can use conventional feed to produce organic chickens because it would be too expensive to use organic feed. And, and so <clears throat> this – it reminds me of, of whenever there are rules and, and there's always pressure, political pressure for exemptions for these rules. Um, you may have read in the, the weekend newspapers about how Republican members of the House seem to be asking for tariff exemptions for some of the sacred producers of their districts even though the Republicans have said – that they're against um, 
you know, single district kind of, of, of provisions in legislation. Well, anyway, Speaker Hastert went for this, and it was in, in a bill. And then seven years ago, in 2005, the New York Times wrote an article about how big, powerful companies were dominating this organic production standards board. So even though the Times fusses about things every now and then, it hasn't had much effect on outcomes because notice the same producers and the same kind of article was written seven years later. For me, the question is for a company like Whole Foods, publicly traded, fairly large in scale, although although relatively small for uh, a grocery chain, uh, why aren't they more interested in coming up with their own set of standards that they could then apply to, to products, which I think they have in the past and, and, and continue to do in some ways, but, but why haven't they tried to make that the standard? Why are they invested in a process that doesn't allow for competition? That's a, I mean, for Whole Foods, given that the owner is libertarian, um, that, that's actually, I mean, we haven't interviewed him, so I, I don't know the answer to that. It's puzzling to me because that certainly as an economist, what I would recommend is that um, <clears throat> we've talked about this before on some of our podcasts is separating versus pooling equilibria. That, that is, separation means different standards for different folks. You can have all sorts of arguments about how the small the farm could be, how big it could be, how green the grass was, how brown the grass was, all sorts of combinations and permutations of all of these kinds of concerns. And again, there is no right answer, right? There, there's no right answer. So let a thousand flowers bloom and let's see what the market decides in terms of the willingness of people to pay for various kinds of, of production methods. I can understand why, you know, General Mills and Quaker and, and companies like that perhaps want um, – a process that they think they can control and and certify, um, but why Whole Foods doesn't doesn't say we have our own standards and they may be better than the government's, more rigorous or whatever, and try to market that and create a brand over it. Um, in fact, I would I would suspect that if you ask Whole Foods customers, they think that that's what Whole Foods does. That in fact they they don't realize that Whole Foods in, in effect cedes the right to certify. Um, to the government. The companies who have come to dominate uh, this board are very good at scale. And that makes sense that they would want a process that makes scaling uh, something that can be categorized organic easier. That's not, That shouldn't That's, be surprising to anybody. Right. I mean, if, you, if you're going to satisfy the demand for organic milk. There's a dairy called Aurora and they have huge farms. And there was a fight with this organic standards board several years ago about how much exposure to pasture should the cows have. And <clears throat> believe it or not, I mean, most people would think that all cows get to go out all the time and have contact with real grass. Well, it turns out from the producer's point of view, that was an unrealistic expectation. And so they lobbied and got the rule changed so that something called organic milk required the cows only to have pasture exposure for only 120 out of the 365 days a year. And again, why? And the answer is scale, that you can't um, produce enough milk at, at a realistic price 
um, given the demands of consumers. So, I mean, part of the problem is consumers' expectations for um, agriculture and prices are somewhat unrealistic in that we had a very unproductive, very labor-intensive agriculture system 90 or 100 years ago when most of Americans played a role in the production of their own food. We were much poorer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole movement of everyone off the farms requires a tremendous increase in productivity. That's obtainable only by using all the modern orga- or, uh, methods of industrial society that are anathema to people who like organic food. So true organic food of the small-scale production variety circa 1920 it's not possible for a society our size. It would be possible for a small elite to have food made that way, and it would be extremely expensive. So in effect, what we find through the political process is this kind of, um, you know, process of I'll wink and you'll wink and we'll both believe that it's really what you think it is even though it's not. And, and um, now and then the newspapers like the Times report on this, but it seems to have had no effect on people's demand for USDA-certified organic food. And there hasn't been, to my knowledge, as you suggest, <clears throat> a sort of entrepreneur like Whole Foods erupting and saying, we're going to leave the board. We're going to you know, go our own way and try to do it better, although the Times article did profile um, this one producer of Eden Foods who seems to be the, the only iconoclast left who protests against uh, this movement. Peter Van Doren is editor of Regulation magazine. You can read or subscribe to Regulation at Cato.org.